You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. A young teenager, pregnant with her first child, and she was on her way down to Bethlehem in the last couple of weeks of that pregnancy. You women who've gone through pregnancy, you know that those last couple of weeks are, are pretty difficult. I know a family who, uh, the wife was 38 weeks and uh, she was sick and tired of waiting and waiting and the husband had a four-wheel drive and so they went out four-wheel driving hoping that by hitting the bumps things would happen (laughs) but it didn't and she had to wait the the whole 40 weeks and then had to be induced when when the baby came. But we think of Mary, don't we, and I don't know whether she walked or the Christmas cards say that she rode on a donkey. There's no telling us whether she did ride on a donkey or walked. But she got down to Bethlehem and lo and behold, the inns are full and she ends up in the stable. And our Christmas cards show us that there's Jesus lying on the straw in the stable and the, and the animals are looking around and it's all nice and cosy. What absolute rubbish. It's stank. If you get animals together, they don't go outside to do their business. They do it all where they are. So you can imagine if a health inspector walked into that stable, that would have been condemned immediately. It was not a nice place where Jesus was born. And yet we have these beautiful Christmas cards saying, what a lovely, lovely place. But the reality it wasn't. And there is Jesus born in a manger. And then we have the story of the shepherds. Luke tells us that the shepherds are out watching over their sheep and then suddenly the angel comes and begins to to speak to them, to tell them that they've got great news. And then with the angel comes a host of angels that begin to tell the shepherds about this great news about the Christ child being born. And so they go down to Bethlehem and they come into the stable and they see Jesus and they go and tell everybody. Have you ever thought why did the angel come to the shepherds? I mean, surely they could have gone to the religious leaders of the day. I mean, when Jesus came along, we we know that they weren't really doing the right thing, but they were the religious leaders and they were supposed to be telling people about God. Why didn't the angel go to them? Why didn't the angel go to King Herod? I think I know what the reason for that one. But you see, the shepherds were the, the outcasts of society. They weren't respected at all. They were known to be thieves. The religious leaders didn't like them because they never came along to any of the services because they were so busy looking after the sheep. They stank because they slept with the sheep. And yet the angels came to them to tell them they were the first to hear the good news. And I guess we don't really know the answer, but I think Paul, when writing to Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 27 and 28, he says, But God has chosen the weak and the foolish and the despised of this world to condemn the wise. And I think that might have been the reason that God wanted to come and reach out to the ordinary person to bring the message. And then we heard the story we read this morning about the wise men. 
You know, if I came to you and said, how many wise men were there? There's a good chance you'd probably say three. But if you read, if you listen carefully when Annette read to us, the Bible doesn't tell us. It just says, the wise men. It doesn't say three, the wise men. We think three because there were three gifts. In the last couple of weeks, I've been doing a little bit of research looking into it. And they believe that these wise men came from Persia. And they travelled over a thousand miles, not kilometres, a thousand miles to come to Bethlehem. And they said they were probably uh, rulers or princes over in Persia. And they were very wealthy. Three wealthy princes would not travel a thousand kilometres across deserts by themselves. Not, not a chance. The President of the United States, if he goes anywhere, he's got his bodyguards. Our Prime Minister, if he goes anywhere, he's got his bodyguards. Three men travelling before their wealth? Nuh-uh. They would have had their soldiers around them. And one commentary that I read said it could have been anything, counting the soldiers, anything up to 300 people travelling. And we know it must have been far more than three because when they came into Jerusalem, all Jerusalem was stirred. Three men riding into Jerusalem wouldn't stir the city. 300 men would stir the city. But we don't know how many there were. And they, and they followed a star. Now, a lot of people in, in different commentaries say it, it could have been a comet, probably Halley's Comet, but Halley's Comet wasn't around at that time, so it couldn't be that. Or they said maybe the stars lined up and it, it made one bright light. I don't think any of that. I believe the star was God-given. When you read the scriptures and you find that the Israelites, when they came out of Egypt and they went in to the wilderness and God called them a stiff-necked, stubborn people, but yet he's provided a night to travel by, a, a, a fire in the sky for them to follow by night and a cloud in the sky. And if God could do that for stubborn Stiff-necked people, how much more is he going to show a light to bring those who would to come and worship his own son? I believe that star was God-given to lead them through to Bethlehem. And so they come down to, to Jerusalem. They go to Jerusalem because that's where they think the king's going to be born. And they come up to King Herod and they have an audience immediately to, to see him, which is a, probably a miracle in itself. And they said, we've come to worship the newborn king. Now Herod is overjoyed about that. Not like that. Herod is a very wicked man. Just this week I was reading a commentary and they said he, they thought he had about ten wives. He killed a lot of them. Killed his mother, killed all his sons. He didn't want anyone to be near the throne. And when he heard that there's a newborn king being born, he wanted to know where he was so he could get rid of it. And so he calls in the religious leaders. And he said, where's this Messiah going to be born? And they went to Micah chapter 7, which said, in Bethlehem. And so they said to, king, to the king, 
He's going to be born in Bethlehem and the king goes to the wise men and said, go down to Bethlehem and find the child. And when you find him, come and bring me word so <laughs> I can come and worship him. He didn't grin to them, but that's what he wanted. And so we know he, they went off to Bethlehem and God warned them not to come back to him. And so the wise men, as they travelled off again, again saw the star. And it came over, and here again is a lie that our Christmas cards tell us. The Christmas cards put it down that the wise men and the shepherds were all in the stable worshipping Jesus. Uh-uh. If you listen to Matthew's Gospel, it said he went to the house where the young child was. You see, Herod worked out roughly how old Jesus was at that time and he sent out a decree that all boys from the age of two and under be killed. Jesus could have been anything up to the age of two in the house where they came. And so these wise men came in and they brought their gifts and they worshipped him. They brought the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. This morning I want us just to think about those three gifts. You see, those three gifts, whether they knew it or not, tell us the whole story of why Jesus came into this world. And I want to start with the last one and work back to the first one. The last gift was the gift of myrrh, which is a a very, very unusual gift to give to a young child. Myrrh was used to embalm the bodies of the dead. Fancy giving that to a child. But whether the wise men knew it or not, they were foretelling that Jesus came to die. I think that's incredible. Right back there, the beginning of his life, the gift of myrrh was given. You see, when, when people died, the loved ones would take the body, they would embalm it in myrrh and wrap it up in grave clothes and then place it in the, in the grave. Jesus' body, when he, after he died, was, was immersed in myrrh and then wrapped up in grave clothes and laid in the grave. It was a gift for someone who came to die. And you see, you can't separate Christmas from Easter because Jesus came for one purpose and one purpose only and that was to die on that cross to set you and I free isn't that amazing he came to die for you and me and the wise man brought the gift of myrrh to signify the fact that that's what he came for to die the second gift is even a, an interesting gift to give to a young child it was a gift of frankincense Frankincense was used by the chief high priest and it was used to, when the offering came, the sacrifice came, they would tip this, um, this ointment or oil over the beast and as it burnt, instead of smelling the, the flesh burning, it would be a sweet odour would come off. Frankincense. The gift to Jesus. What's the job of a chief high priest? The job of a high priest is to bring God to the people and the people to God. 
They were the, the go-between. They were the people when, when the offerings came, they would receive them and bring the people to God and ask God's forgiveness. You see, Jesus came to be a high priest. He came to be the, the go-between between us and God. That's what Christianity is all about, isn't it? The fact that Jesus came and he became the sacrifice. He died that we might be able to have life and life abundant. It's through him that we can come into his very presence. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that we can come boldly into the presence of God. All because of Jesus. We can pray over this book for life. We can pray for other people because Jesus is interceding for us. He is the, the mediator. He is the go-between between us and God. And here the wise man brought the gift of frankincense and gave it to him. Myrrh, a gift for someone to die. Frankincense for one who had come to be the high priest. And then the gift of gold. In those days, and probably still today, if you went into royalty, if you went to visit royalty, you brought a gift of gold. You couldn't just walk into the presence of the king or the queen without a gift. And because they were royalty, because they were the king, you had to bring the gift of gold. Gold was given to Jesus because he came to be king. You know, if you wanted an audience with Queen Elizabeth and you went over to London and you went to Buckingham Palace and if you tried to get to the front door and you wouldn't get there because there's guards there, but if you did, you can't just knock on the door and say, I want to have an interview with Queen Elizabeth, thank you very much. It just doesn't happen that way. I had uh, a wonderful experience in 1998. I took a team of people from Logan over to Tonga and we went around to the various schools uh, to share the gospel with them. We also took with us the video Jesus in Tongan language and we gave it to each of the principals so they could play it to the students later. And that was really exciting. We saw great things happen. But I think one of the greatest things was that we were invited to go and see the king of Tonga. And we came to the palace, which is nothing like Buckingham Palace. It's just like a, a great big old Queenslander. And we walked up the steps and there were the guards there and we were ushered in. And there in the dining room, I guess it's the dining room, was a big table and there was all this food on it and there was the king who greeted us. And we sat down and I sat right beside him. He was a Christian guy. He's gone home to the Lord since then. And uh, as we were sharing together, I said to him, can I pray for you? He said, I'd love that. And I stood up and I forgot all about the protocol. I went to put my hands on his head and the guards came very quickly. <laughs> you don't do that. And the king said, it's okay. So I was able to put my hands on the, on the head of the king and I prayed for him and prayed for his country. That was such a thrill to be able to do that. He was a king. And these wise men, these princes brought the gift of gold to Jesus because they saw that he was a king. 
Not to rule from a throne, but to rule from a cross. He came to be king over your life and mine. Is he that king in your life? As we come into this Christmas time, I want us just to ponder that. Is he really king in your life? Yes, we come to, to worship on a Sunday, and, and, and that's great. And, and, and hopefully we read our Bibles and, and we pray. But where is Jesus really in, in your life? Not only on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday. Is he still the king in your life or does he have to, to fit in somewhere in your busy schedule in your life? Where is he? I've used this illustration before but I think it's very, very fitting just to use it again. I want you to picture your life like a house. And there you are on the street, your life, and you've asked Jesus into your life and so he's there in the in the back rooms of, of your life or in your house. And as you're living your life, suddenly there's a knock at the door. And you open the door and there's Satan. He's trying to come in and you're trying to push him out and he's trying to come in and there's this great big battle to eventually you shut the door and you look around and there's Jesus. And you say, Jesus, I thought you were going to do the fighting for me. He said, I want to but you've only given me the back rooms and the front door's over there. And you might say, well, geez, I want you to come more into my life. Come more into my house. You come into the bedrooms and, and into the kitchen area and the lounge room area. And Jesus says, thank you very much. And after a couple of days, there's another knock at the door and you open the door and there's Satan again trying to get in. And again, this battle trying to get him out and you eventually get him out and you turn around and there's Jesus and you said, Jesus, I'll let you have more of my life, but you're not doing anything. Jesus said, I'd love to, but the front door's over there, and you've given me the back rooms, and you've given me the bedrooms, and you've given me the, the, the lounge room and the kitchen, but the front door's there. So you say, well, Jesus, I want you to be king of my life. I want you to take over completely and totally. It's all yours. And there's a knock at the door. You say, Jesus, you answer it. And Jesus opens the door and there's Satan. He says, uh-oh, wrong house. <laughs> Is Jesus king of your life? You see, that's where he wants to be. Right back there in the first Christmas story, the wise man brought those gifts to tell us he came to die he came to be our high priest. He came to be king. And he wants to be king of your life. But he's a gentleman. He won't force himself into your life at all. But if you invite him, then he comes. You see, giving our life to Jesus and, and being born again and, and being baptised, all that is great. But we need to continue on. And allow Jesus to continue to be king of our lives. In a moment we're going to sing a Christmas carol. Hopefully we all know it. And as we sing that, I'm going to give you an invitation for you to come down to the front. 
Is Jesus king of your life? Or have you somehow allowed him to go to the back rooms and not take over completely? Have you allowed other things to get in the way and just allowed Jesus to every now and then be part of your life? You see, as we come into Christmas, we remember Jesus only didn't only come, but he came to die. We can't divorce Christmas from Easter. And he's wanting to be king of your life today and as we go through Christmas and as we move into a brand new year. A year completely and totally unblemished by human hands at this point of time. And Jesus wants to be there to lead you and to guide you. Will you let him be king in your life? Let's come before him in prayer. Father, we thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you for Mary and Joseph. We thank you for the shepherds. We thank you for the wise men. And as you know, Father, we have been thinking about these three gifts that these wise men brought. The gift of myrrh, the gift of frankincense, the gift of gold. And Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would search our hearts as we ask ourselves that question, is Jesus really king of my life? Have I allowed him to into every area of my life? Or do I just do it on Sundays and every now and then through the week? Challenge us, Father, that we today may commit ourselves and say, yes, I want Jesus to be king of my life. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. We're going to stand and sing. Amen and sing. Amen and 